This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to a continuation of our last podcast. In the last episode, I was chatting with my brother Jared about rope swings, parachutes, sumo wrestling, and Grover. This next little excerpt will explain how Jared truly feels about Grover. Following that, we'll dive right back into the stories. Picking up where we left off and discussing fire and fireworks. So there we are. Any of you that are afraid of clowns or just creepy, creepy dolls, anything like that, you can all kind of relate to this. That is how Grover was to us. Grover was just this possessed, demon-like, horribly terrifying little child's toy that had to be exercised and burned. So Jared and I, growing up, loved fireworks. Now in Japan, you could buy anything. They didn't care. you buy whatever you want. So we would buy fireworks. And one time in Japan, I had a firecracker. And my buddy's like, I bet you can't hold that till it explodes. <laughs> so I held it till it exploded. And it split my thumb open. I'm like, ah, oh, that's why you don't <laughs> hold firecrackers till they explode. I spent, I spent a lot of time with uh, getting escorted home by the military police for fishing in locations of Japan that I wasn't supposed to be, and at the emergency room. Yeah, we, we went there a few times when we were in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then when we moved to Utah... Did you ever tell the story of you fishing in the uh, fishing for the koi? In the koi ponds in yeah. Japan? No. <laughs> <laughs> One more reason why he was escorted home by the military police. <laughs> so almost... Every school in Japan, especially the, the buildings on base, they'd have these koi ponds out in front. And to protect the koi <laughs> ponds from the cranes and the other birds that would kill them, they'd put chain link fencing over top of the pond. Not around the pond, but over the pond. Well, being eight years old, I could walk on top of said chain link fencing. And if you caught small enough koi, they would fit through the chain link. So I would take these little plastic aquariums, and I would go out on top of these koi ponds and i'd catch koi it was really fun i mean fishing's fishing and those are like <laughs> shiny beautiful fish and so it was really fun to catch them and i remember one day i'm sitting in front of our school that we went to and i'm catching koi and putting them in this little plastic aquarium and i was out of hook so i'm using a little tiny bent safety pin and i catch a koi with it and i'm super excited so i put him in the little plastic aquarium and there's water in there and all of a sudden I hear, hey, and I look up and here comes the MPs in the Jeep. And all I can remember is I'm holding the aquarium and my fishing pole and I'm sprinting across the grounds of the school, trying to like not jostle the fish, but I'm getting soaked head to toe, just drenched in water. Just running from the cops. Yeah. And they taught me. It's hard to run with a fish, dude. So I get taken <laughs> home again. When we moved back to Utah, fireworks were illegal. Yeah. So it was really hard to get fireworks. But we had some pretty cool uncles. You could get you could get snakes, you could get sparklers, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty lame. It. They're legalized now to a point. Yeah. But we live pretty close to the border of Wyoming. And Wyoming is a pretty special place. They're much less strict with their fireworks. As most Utahns know, every 4th of July, 
there is a pilgrimage <laughs> for fireworks and booze. Mm-hmm. In fact, just as you get over the border into Wyoming, there are multiple liquor store slash fireworks locations. And that's all they sell. That's all they sell is fireworks and liquor right across the border because that's what people in Utah want. They want their fireworks and they want their liquor. As soon as I turned 16, so that puts Jared at just over 11, almost 12, we would make firework runs because they still want to sell you booze <laughs> at 16, but I wanted fireworks. So we would go on these firework runs and buy, I mean, my favorite thing was screaming bottle rockets, whistling bottle <laughs> rockets, because you could shoot those into the water and they, as soon as they go into the water, they'd be like, <laughs> it's the coolest sound. I still like it. I'm still a child when it comes to this. So one day, we're shooting off bottle rockets, mm-hmm. and mom and dad come out and drop the, the hammer on us. You boys need to knock that off. Stop. No more. It's dry. The uh, There hasn't been a lot of rain. Everything's dry. It'll catch on fire. The usual things that parents say to their younger kids about lighting off fireworks and just playing with fire in general. And we did live in the second driest state in the nation, so mm-hmm. what they were saying was true. So we go in and start watching television. But we don't want to watch television. And they decide that they're going to go to Salt Lake. The last thing they say to us as they leave is, boys, no fireworks. So you can see about a half mile up the road from the house in the direction to Salt Lake. So as soon as that car went over that last little knoll, out we went. So we grab his Coke bottle and bottle rocket. And we go into the backyard and we start shooting off fireworks again. The last bottle rocket we had... (sighs) The bottle tips over just as it shoots. Because it's windy, like we said. And the bottle rocket kind of goes over towards the field next to our property, which is about an eight-acre piece of sagebrush and grass owned by my grandfather. And the bottle rocket goes into that field, and then pop, pop. So we stand there for a while. We're watching. Nothing's happening. Whew. Dodged a bullet. So back into the house we go, we clean up all the paraphernalia so we don't get in trouble. (laughs) And we're sitting upstairs, and I'm a little parched. So I walk over to the kitchen sink, which overlooks my grandfather's field, and all I can see is flame. So it's, Jared, field's on fire, we got to go. So both of us are wearing shorts and flip-flops and T-shirts. Yep. We grab the hose, run out there, and we're using the garden hose and a bucket And are quickly melting flip-flops. Because we're trying to stomp out this fire. (laughs) Ever-increasing brush fire. Brush fire. Because it's just dry grass, sagebrush, and eight acres of that's it. So the fire is, it's going pretty well by the time we get out there. And we run out there, and, and since Travis is bigger... You know, he's he's got the hose, and he's got the bucket, and he's spraying things down, and I'm running around, and I'm trying to stomp on the flames and things. And it didn't take too long before there's a rather large pillar of smoke that was going up from this fire. And being in a rural community with uh, farmers and everything else, neighbors started to come over to see if they could help. And so we're right there, close to the road, in the front part of this big field, just the two of us in shorts and flip-flops and T-shirts. Neighbors are driving up on the road, and they're leaning out the window. Boys, you need any help? You guys got everything under control? Everything okay? They're like, yeah, we're fine. We got this. We're okay. We can take yeah, care of this. We're just going to put it out right now. We're just we're putting it out. It's okay. <laughs> and they were like, 
you boys sure you're okay? We're like, yeah, we're fine. Everything's good. good. (laughs) And uh, eventually our older sister came home. And she was always kind of the... the, uh, The rule follower. Oh, man. And so she is freaking out. And she throws it, she, you know, throws her car in the park and runs out there and she starts helping us and yelling at us and, you know, how did this happen and everything else. And we're like, ah, we, we don't it know. Happened. It just happened. Uh, sure. Eventually. And I think, I think a couple of the neighbors actually came over and really did help and helped stomp well, yeah. things out. Well, and. Well, once they saw our older sister there and then they would say, hey, do you guys need help? She would, of course, say, yeah, we need help. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't fend them off. Of course. We didn't understand that uh, the part of the fire that we couldn't see was quickly eating up the other acres of this field. And with the help of the neighbors, with the help of our sister, finally we were able to get this fire out. So now when you look out of our house, there's probably three acres of blackness and desolation. The entire front half of our grandfather's field is just blackened, charred grass and sagebrush all the way up to the road and all the way close to our house where we had this little strip of lawn that our our dad took meticulous care of this lawn and made sure that it was watered and everything else because it was only about 20 by 20. We had this little tiny patch of lawn and the fire came right up to the lawn and you could not miss this huge black scar right next to our house. The only saving grace we thought was that our parents were going to get home after dark. And maybe they wouldn't notice. We figured the stay of execution could last a little bit longer. So we're trying to talk our oldest sister into not saying anything. Just exactly. Just keeping everything quiet. Well, parents get home. <laughs> now, you got to set the scene. You got to set the scene. So, so there we are. We'd, we had, we'd put our clothes in the dirty clothes because, you know, thinking that would get rid of the smoke smell and everything else. And so our, our clothes, we kind of put them in the dirty clothes pile. And we'd showered and we were in new clothes and everything. And we're sitting down on the couch watching TV. And I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, this is going to be the end of my life. My parents are going to end me and my brother and just start over again, just make some new ones. And I'm stressed. And so every time a car would come up on the road that we could see the headlights, you know, we'd we'd kind of pause and we'd wait and the car would go by. And, and it was surprising how, well, or I should say it was unsurprising how many cars would slow down when they saw this blackened field. Because it's right at dusk. So there's still enough light that you can see the field's destroyed, gone, just completely gone. And then the worst thing happened. And we saw the brake lights, recognized the headlights and the brake lights and everything. And then we could see that it was our parents. And then the garage door down. Oh. Oh. So parents walk in. And my mother with her sensitive (laughs) nose already knows what has happened. She already knows that there's been a massive fire. (laughs) And the phrase that I've heard many times throughout my life, boys, what have you done? And this, this is from a retired Navy officer who is just stone cold, completely carved out of granite and just 
glaring at us with these almost divinely judgmental eyes saying, what have you done? I'm completely speechless. I'm ready to confess to anything, anything and everything I've ever possibly done wrong. When all of a sudden I hear my brother say, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a bad day. We had a whole lot of chores after that, and we didn't get out the entire rest of the summer. All of our fireworks got confiscated, mm-hmm. which was terrible because we used fireworks in our G.I. Joe and Star Wars battles. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. In fact, here's a tip for everyone. If you take <laughs> a red balloon, like a water balloon, because we always had you know, the water balloon size for throwing, if you take the red ones and cut them up very small with scissors into little pieces, place the red water balloon on a army man or a G.I. Joe figure or a Star Wars figure and then place them in a toaster oven. Yes, a toaster oven. <laughs> the balloon has a lower melt temperature than the action figure. So you can create war wounds and battle wounds and stuff. Now... I did start two houses on fire with toaster ovens. But in my defense, I was making grilled cheese sandwiches both times I did that. It was not it was not action figure related fires that I'd created. Proper use. Proper use of toaster ovens. Well, yeah. They help. Well, those are some of our fun stories from growing up. We have a ton more. I'm amazed that we're alive. To be honest, there are days where I am just amazed that we are still alive. One, that we didn't kill ourselves in some stupid way, like falling off a roof or or shooting each other with something. Or one of the games we used to play was shooting the bow and or shooting an arrow up in the sky and then making sure we weren't underneath it when it fell back down. Remember the time we put the, the broadhead in the rocket? <laughs> And we shot the arrow into the sky mm-hmm. and then we and both we had that moment it. of... Oh, I don't know where it is. Yeah. And we ran for the deck because that was the only place that we feared that we would be safe is under the deck. Sometimes we didn't think through the consequences. In the process, we would say, ooh, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. We were like, oh, you know what would be fun? You know, it's kind of the the little kid equivalent of hold my beer. (laughs) And we're like, oh, you know what would be fun? And so then we do it. And then right then at that moment of... Being maimed for life or, or killing ourselves or something, we'd, like, we'd realize, oh, that was a stupid idea. We've got a bunch of those. We've got a bunch of those stories. So we'll have to have Jared come back, tell some more stories. So get out there and live your stories.